Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I'm so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And it's okay. Today, we are going to discuss divorce and affairs and all of these crazy things that happen that really make life difficult. And I'm going to go there with one of my really close friends. She is honest. She is raw. She is real. Her name is Lauren McKinley. She is the founder of Her Soul Repair, an organization for women healing from divorce and betrayal. She is an author, creator of the same team co-parenting. She's a speaker, a wife, a mama of three. She's most passionate about sharing the hope that can come from even the most heartbreaking circumstances. So she is going to talk to us about her heartbreaking circumstances and then help us through them. And she is such a testament to life on the other side of that. And I'm so excited to share with you my lovely conversation with Lauren McKinley. And I am here with Lauren McKinley. This is such a special interview for me, and I'm so excited to have you on. And we have so much to discuss. I'm just going to dive right in. You know, there's no easy way to begin a conversation about 
having an affair and how it ruined your marriage. You are extremely realistic in your approach to divorce. You and I have known each other for a very, very, very long time. And I'm the first to attest to how undramatic you are. So when you say something with intensity, it really holds value. And I want our listeners to hear your story. So if you feel comfortable, can we start from the beginning, essentially the beginning of your book at the beginning of your relationship with BD? And you can explain to our listeners what BD stands for. Okay. So BD stands for baby daddy and how I ended up in the space I am with divorce and blended families. And my book is that 10 years ago, I got married and seemingly had a picture-perfect life, marriage, on paper, everything. I mean, you guys met at church. That's like every every parent's dream is to have their child meet someone at church. And right. I mean, I feel like that's yeah. just especially how we grew up. Every every mom, suburban mom in our neighborhood, that's that would if they could dream up a scenario, it would be that. Yes. I mean, we met at church. Our families got along. We did the premarital counseling. We dated for a reasonable time. Just on paper and by the book, everything looked perfect. And from my perspective, everything felt perfect. I really thought I was married to this dream man, living my dream life. After we got married, we bought a house, then found out I was pregnant with my daughter. I really did feel like all of the natural progression of that young married life was happening and I was living out the life I'd always hoped and dreamed of. Uh, right around my daughter's first birthday, I noticed a significant change in BD, <laughs> my former husband, and I thought he was processing something on his own, like at work maybe, or battling some depression. He he was so off, but our marriage was fine. I didn't think for a second that this had to do with our marriage. I thought, he's struggling with something. I'm going to offer my support, be a strong and present wife to him, but give him space. Maybe he just needs to figure this out on his own. And I gave him a little space and time. When it got to the point where I was like, okay, you know what? It You need to let me in here. It, this has been a couple months, I believe. And he just kept acting more and more strange. But in all in all honesty, you guys went, th went through a lot of major life changes all at once. I mean, I think to close escrow on a house and find out you're pregnant and then have a baby, the speed of your relationship from the beginning, it was it was not quick, but it was just going at the pace that you guys wanted it to go at. And I can imagine if your spouse starts to act differently, marriages go through ups and downs. And so you just assume, OK, we're at that point right now where we're maybe we're in a little lull. We got to figure it out, you know, and that's where you were. And that makes so much sense. Exactly. And that's what you hear about marriage, right? We were like two years into our marriage and you hear ups and downs and you're there for each other forever. And that's all I thought of it. And then there got to the point where I really needed him to just to fill me in on what was happening. So the night we had decided we were going to talk, 
he had run out to get something, left his phone on the ledge of our entryway in our home. And I innocently glanced down to see that some messages had popped up. And I really, I was not being snoopy. I did not expect to see what I read. And what I read was, you need to tell Lauren, you need to tell her you're leaving. You need to tell her you love so-and-so. And so needless to say, he came home to quite the tears, the rage, the anger. <laughs> I mean, in that moment too, I, I I can't even imagine, you know, looking back now, knowing now what you didn't know at that time. How do you even process something like that? Or do you process it? You sort of are just reacting in the moment and on adrenaline and, and emotion. It, it has to be. Yeah, it's shock and awe. I mean, this was not one of those, oh, we hadn't been connecting and, oh, this was a long time coming and we were really distant. And it was not one of those scenarios where I had the the signs there, there were no signs. So so it was very, very, my life as I knew it was gone because I heard a few versions of the story. Ultimately, the X-rated one was bad. It was the affair is worst case scenario had been going on for, I think it was like six months at the time. And he wanted out of the marriage. He wanted to stay with his girlfriend. He didn't want to work on the marriage. And so I was just let the perfect life I had one day there, the next day gone. And I, the reason I prefaced the fact that you are the least dramatic is if truly someone who would normally go through this, it would be, it was, it was heart wrenching to watch you. But throughout all of this, you were quite honestly, the strongest woman I have ever seen. You handled it with such grace, such dignity. I never heard you speak poorly about anyone in the situation. And this is one of those times where I think in life, there are several moments where you can ask yourself, who, uh, what kind of person am I going to choose to be? And this is one of those moments where I, I would love to have you share about how you handled the moment like that, because and and just the divorce in general, because you were someone who I think handled it with such grace. And that is so ridiculously difficult. And, you know, it's just a really big life change. And so I know that's a big question. And that's something that we will get into as we continue to discuss this. I wanted to talk for a minute about technology, because you talk about how you think technology has a big a great deal to do with breaking up a marriage. I do feel like technology plays into just opening up outlets to really tempt people and bring them away from their partner in their marriage. I do think technology in terms of their texting and the, f- the phone call log that I saw after everything had gone down, you know, it's it's opens up this whole world that if you're not careful about protecting that marriage and that peace and your union, it's easy to really spiral. And if you're not in a good place, which my ex really, you know, he was not, as I said, I thought 
from my perspective, things were fine. Clearly, he was not happy and needs weren't met. And it was unbeknownst to me, but he had a lot of outlets that he used in communicating with the other woman that had, I think, been more protected on his end, had he been a little more careful with how much he let her in, we would have been able to salvage more. Mm -hmm. By the time we started working on the marriage, we went through about a year of what I would call working on the marriage after I had found out about the affair. And I just don't think there was enough to salvage at that point. And I really wanted to because my daughter was so young. I wanted our little family unit to stay together. But I also needed to know that I was worth a partner who wanted to be with me and honor me. And even in hindsight, that year mark feels like too long now because Mm. it really just wore me down. Like a year of being... And we weren't living together the entire time. And it was a lot of moving pieces. But a year of knowing your husband, the man you're supposed to feel safest with and honored by, truly wanted nothing to do with me, was very hard on my just self-worth. Sense of self. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. You know, you have a really great excerpt in your book, and I think it's in chapter four. It's about technology and how the 1970s, technology in the 1970s compared to today and how, you know, if you needed to speak to a work colleague, which is how BD and his now, I don't know, what what do I call her? I don't have a title for her. I'm sorry, but the woman that we're discussing, who we had the affair with, she, how they communicated, they met at work. And then, you know, typically, if they had to speak in the 70s, she would have to call his house and you might pick up, you know, someone else might pick up, but everyone was in the know of who was talking to who. And, you know, you could start a conversation and, oh, this is happening. So then you have a relationship with her and it makes it so much more difficult for situations like that to happen because families are aware of colleagues and things like that. And nowadays people are, there's access to anything and everything at, at all at once. And so, you know, that's why everyone's like sliding into the DMs was definitely not a term in the 1970s or the 80s or even the 90s. You know, these these new decades of technology have really been difficult for relationships. And I can really, you know, that excerpt really spoke to me. And the way that you break it down is phenomenal. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a true testament to how much more difficult it can be in today's world to keep a relationship healthy, not just together, but healthy and growing together because you can still technically, I'm air quoting now, stay together, but that doesn't mean that your minds are connected. It doesn't mean your spirits are on the same track. It doesn't mean anything like that. And so it can be so much more difficult nowadays. And I think that's what you're attesting to is the fact that that happened and how easily and how slippery that slope can be. I do really commend you in talking about how you guys started a relationship with two completely different sexual experiences prior and how you were working towards, you know, trying to get on the same page about that. And I really appreciate how open you are about that in your book. And even as your friend, like you've been open to me about that, but I didn't realize that you had shared that with the whole world. And you definitely went there in your book. And I appreciate that. Do you think that that had some effect on the overall outcome? I do. I really do. And I think now 
as just an older, more mature woman, looking yeah. back, it we got married when I was 26. And like I said, I I did not have much sexual experience at that time. And it really did impact us, not in a way that I think couldn't have been worked on, right. but a way that made it a little bit difficult for us to meet in the middle. Like it just, sometimes people are able to come to a union with two very different levels of experience and work together to make sure needs are met. And in this case, we really weren't able to accomplish that at the time. Yeah. Not to say it would have never been possible. It just felt Mm -hmm. so early in the marriage. I remember just thinking to myself, well, we'll get like, this is, yeah, okay. Maybe we're still working on this, communicating in this aspect, but we have our whole lives to figure it out. And that was always my mindset. You're married forever. So, okay, this is something we're working on and toward. Okay, we have time and it will get better. Right. You're one of a marriage. You're two of a marriage. You're you're not going to have everything figured out. And guess what? You're 20. You're still not going to have everything (laughs) figured out. So that makes so much sense. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we're back. You do such a good job in your book, Stop Wrecking My Home, You on how to handle a divorce. For anyone listening, if you, if this is something you're going through or you need advice on it, or if you're just interested in it in general, you know, how to handle going through a divorce, you know, it is one of the most tumultuous times in your life, obviously. And you have such practical advice that you can implement. And I love that. I love things that give us actual um, you know, tasks that we can perform. One of the things you talk about is practice your responses to people. And that to me is so, you know, I can imagine someone catch, catches you off guard in preschool pickup and asks how you're doing. And being a lovely person, you want to be honest, but then how do you how do you do that? So please give us some of your sound advice. What is a good response in that regard? I learned early on that people want to know the story for all the wrong reasons. And (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to put myself through this retell because every time you retell something hard that has happened to you, you're emotionally putting yourself through something that was traumatic and heavy and sad. And for what? Because someone is just interested in the juicy details, all the goss. Yeah, they want all the gossip. Give it. They're like, give it, give it all to me. And you're like, no, I'm actually going through this. This is my life. Thank you. Exactly. And so, you know, if it were an acquaintance, and I could tell they looked at me with those like sad eyes, asking me how I'm doing, I would just say, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. And I would just squash it. If it were a mutual friend who actually knew my former husband and I, and they were just typically more like, I just can't believe this happened to you guys Mm. of all people. I never thought it would happen to you two. And sometimes I would respond with, I feel the same way. I did not think this would happen, but we are focused on our daughter and moving forward. Done seen. Like no more Mm -hmm. needs to be discussed. And I think that is super important to pick trusted ears. You need to vent. You need people to help you through this, but you need to know that those people are invested in you and your family, and they are not just in it for the latest gossip. That's such good advice. Pick trusted ears. Thank you for that. And that's actually good life advice too, in general, just in in, in any regard, pick trusted ears. I mean, okay. So I have to be honest, as your friend, it's really hard to talk to you about this on air. It's one of those things where I watched you go through. And so I have all my notes and I have all my things, but I feel this emotion about it, obviously, this protectiveness around you. And but I do know that a lot of people can learn from this. So I just wanted to say that aloud because I feel I really feel a strong emotion while we're talking about this. There are three main takeaways uh, that you say helped you through the work day because you were a teacher at the time. So you had not only were you going through this tumultuous divorce and trying to work on your marriage for a year and then it ending in divorce, but you were teaching these little amazing people throughout the day and you had a one-year-old and there's just so much on your plate at that time. So you talk about how you found 
and created a, an escape at your work and you were able to sort of compartmentalize and solely just be at your work and find a few trusted colleagues who would be there for you and help you in case you needed anything. Do you have any advice in that regard? Because I do think that going out into the world and acting like everything's normal and still having to work and still having to do all the mundane things every day would be the most exhausting. Yeah, I would always look at work as just a peaceful escape because I would try to remind myself if you can find happiness and joy and comfort in something that is totally separate from the hell of your marriage falling apart that is also happening, if you could just find those moments and those feelings anywhere else then just remind yourself they exist, right? You can, mm. the it's the both and. Like you can have those feelings and you can really find peace even though another part of your life is completely falling apart. And so I would just try to look at it as an escape and mm-hmm. only focus on work. I would never check divorce-related emails, texts from my ex, anything that would come through from the lawyers because I just knew those were going to like punch in the gut. I knew it was going to just make me cry or (sighs) how was I going to bounce back if I get an email about custody visitations? It's like, oh my gosh, no way. So I would save those till the end of the day. I would just protect the time that I was at work. And again, with picking who you tell, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the source of the rumor mill. I yeah. just, you know, people don't need to know, especially coworkers, unless they are close, trusted friends, they don't really need to know the intricacies of your life, especially yeah. when things aren't going all that well. Mm-hmm. So I would just keep it very simple and basic in terms of what they knew about me. I would keep the boundaries pretty strong, but I just wanted the time at work to be only about work and a time where I could really escape from the reality that, yeah, there were some really heavy and hard things going on in my life. But when I was at work, I could at least just focus on that piece of my life that was bringing, you know, provision to my daughter and joy to me and distraction, a healthy distraction. Yeah. Obviously, Stop Wrecking My Home is an amazing book to help someone through this process. And you talk about how books and blogs and things like that really helped you. So do you have any other sources that you recommend for someone listening right now that's like, okay, I'm going to pull the car over right now and write write these things down? Like what helped you through it? Or was there a specific subject that really helped you through or a specific author? Yeah. And a lot of why... I wrote my book was because I did struggle in that time finding something I really connected with. Mm -hmm. So there was Divorce Care, which is a curriculum on divorce recovery that was really great. Hello Divorce is an organization based out of Oakland, and they are incredible. I've worked with them before. But a lot of what drove me to write my book was I wanted to write the book I wish I would have had. And Mm. it was challenging. I didn't feel like people were being quite as raw and honest as I wanted. It felt like a lot of sugarcoating and Mm. nothing about what I was going through felt (laughs) sugarcoated. I'm like, this is 
horrific. Why are you people acting like this was so easy? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think a lot of my drive for my blog and my book was I am not holding back. I'm giving you the raw, humiliating, embarrassing details of my story with the hope that it will help yours and mm -hmm. help you know you're not alone. And if my advice on this specific situation could help you who are going through that same thing, you know, it just brings a lot of purpose to what you are going through. I've always expressed myself better in written words than spoken ones. So mm -hmm. I just feel writing to be so therapeutic. And mm -hmm. it, it just, again, gave some purpose to the pain. It's like you need to know that what you're going through has a greater purpose. You need to know that your struggles and trials and trauma will help others because you're sharing that they're not alone and you're sharing this is what helped me. And mm -hmm. you're just letting people know they're not alone. Because I can imagine that the entire process feels so lonely. And so it's really nice to know that you're not alone. Do you think, how much of your religious faith do you attribute to your recovery? I'm not someone that practices religion of any kind. You, on the other hand, are the exact opposite. I know so much of your faith is what got you through it. And I love that we can be so close and have a close relationship with different beliefs. And so I would love for you to share uh, that because I feel like that is such a huge part of what helped you through your recovery. Yeah, I have a chapter of my book and it's titled For the Jesus Folk. And it says, <laughs> feel free to skip this if this isn't your thing. Like, and I love that. Yeah. But if it is, then I want to share the Bible verses and the scripture that helped me, the prayers that helped me. I went to a healing mass and I just, it was so powerful and so incredible and it really did help me through. And so I do attribute a lot of my healing to my faith. That's a huge part of who I am. But I also wanted my book to be something that anyone could pick up and gain the knowledge and wisdom that I learned from what I went through. So yeah. I, yeah, my faith is huge to me, but I also understand that it's not a big part of everyone's life. And right. I wanted, I wanted the book to be accessible to anyone regardless of their beliefs. And it, and it is. I love your take on counseling because in so many episodes of, of Directly Challenged, I believe in counseling. I love it. My mom's obviously a therapist and I've grown up going to therapy. No, Lauren, on the other hand, is the exact opposite and is was like the most non-believer in therapy in, in the world. You were like, this is a waste of time. I don't want to <laughs> do this. And talk to us a little bit about that and then your sort of progression throughout the experience. Yeah, so we just... I think found the therapist that happened to be the most cliche, like, <laughs> like you just couldn't make them up. I mean, I, I think we just kind of struck out when it came to therapists and my ex didn't want to work on the marriage. So we were going to these like restore your marriage after an affair program. And this guy was looking at me like you poor, poor girl, like, oh. The therapist was looking at you yes. like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was like kind of telling me like, quit while you're ahead here. Like more <sighs> in, in more or less words, like it wasn't good. But then the 
therapists I was seeking out, I didn't even find were that valuable. Now, in future years, I do value therapy. I have found wonderful therapists. It's also okay if you haven't and you don't value it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) But you really do think that there is some value in it now? Yes. I, I did connect with a really great therapist when fast forward, when we were in, you know, present day in our blended family and there were still some triggers coming up. I did connect with a really great therapist who helped me through that. But the therapists we saw when we were, quote, working on the marriage were just not great. Mm, yeah, I, I understand that. And um, so to continue your story, the for anyone listening who has yet to read her book or blog, it, there is an amazing happy ending. And I think the beginning of that happy ending starts with forgiveness. And you are someone who found it. I mean, the fact that you were able to sit down with the woman who had an affair with your husband and have drinks and have a conversation with her. That is the ultimate sign of forgiveness. I don't think I would ever be able to do that. And I don't know if I'll ever find myself in that situation, but that is the ultimate form of forgiveness. Talk us through that and how you were able to be so civil. I mean, you have all my respect. Well, it, was the process and that did not, I did not arrive there overnight. Let's just say that. (laughs) Forgiveness is definitely a decision and it's one that you need to keep deciding on and working toward. I think in the beginning, forgiveness to both of them, I had to forgive my ex, I had to forgive the other woman. And it just looked like, okay, if I can just even make eye contact with him. It will feel Mm -hmm. like I'm inching toward forgiveness, but it's just an intentional choice. And it took a long time and it did come back to me and my daughter though. I think I didn't want to live in a place of peace or tension with this person I was going to be co-parenting with for, my daughter was two. We had a (sighs) long ways to go of co-parenting and I didn't want that bitter rage, tension, all of it. I didn't want that to be something within my heart, within my daughter's family. I I just wanted it to be no part in any of us. So that really motivated the continual work to forgive them. Like I said, it took time. It's, It's still just a process. You know, there's present day triggers that I'm still affected by. So it really Mm. is just a process. It's not something you decide on one day and then it's done. But it does end up bringing the person who was wronged more peace than anyone else. So I will say that. I think Mm. it brings me more peace. It brings our family more peace. And, you know, my ex and his now wife, they'll say like, the only reason that we can co-parent the way we do is because of you and your forgiveness like this. None of this would be as great as it is if I were still grudgeful and couldn't let go of the past, you know? Yeah. I'm spoiler alert for those listening. He does end up marrying the other woman. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. And so now you're co-parenting with your ex-husband who married the woman he had an affair with. And I mean, you do such an an amazing job of co-parenting. I know you also have a book out about it, The Ultimate Co-Parenting Guide. It's called Same Team Co-Parenting. And you have video tutorials, reflection questions, and just co-parenting tips in general, because I have watched you with them and your lovely daughter and your now husband and your kids with him. And I mean, they're, you guys have really done such a good job of this. So without spoiling everything that's in that, what advice can you give for people who are starting to co-parent, who are, you know, in the middle of it and having a hard time with it because there's no easy way to do it? And we do have a lot on our side in that we're years into this. I I feel like a lot of times people see us and they look at us like, wow, you guys have it all together and you're like the perfect blended family and wow, you do it all right. We have years in where mm. we've been healing and recovering and getting to this point. So I just like to say that because it's it's taken a lot of work and intention, but we have decided from the beginning to leave the past in the past as much as we possibly can. So I write in my co-parenting guide, there will be water under the bridge, but it's our choice not to drown in it. Like Mm. we can't ignore how we got here, but there are ways to make sure that the past doesn't dictate the present and the future. Mm. So we really are intentional about not bringing the past in to our blended family. We have a zero trash talk rule Have from the beginning. I mean, healthy venting is important and Mm -hmm. things go down and need to be talked about, but they're never talked about in front of our daughter because kids know they are made up of both parents. So if they hear one parent talking negatively about 
another parent that in turn makes up half of who they are, it's going to affect how they feel about themselves and mm-hmm. their worth. And, you know, kids didn't ask to be in this situation. They love yeah. both their parents the same and mm-hmm. a lot. And they don't want to hear either parent talking negatively about anyone in their family. So that really, that really helps us. And with that, we go straight to the source. Like if we hear something from our daughter that we kind of think twice about, we'll just pick up the phone and be like, hey, what happened with this? Mm Because it didn't sound all that right when she told me, but And then nine times out of 10, clears it up and we didn't waste time festering and speculating what could have happened. Just open communication, even if it's difficult, open communication. That makes so much sense. I wonder what it's like to write a memoir of one of the most heart-wrenching experiences in your lifetime, because um, I really lived it all, rereading it again before you came on this podcast. I can't imagine what it's like to relive it again while writing it and then writing another draft and then recording it for Audible and then going on podcasts and talking about it and going and speaking publicly and talking about it. And, you know, I really commend you for finding the strength to do that. What is it like to have to relive it all again? And and do you feel like you're still in the middle of a healing process all these years later? I always say at this point, I'm sharing my story from scars, not open wounds. Mm. So in the beginning, it felt like I would go to these support groups and I was sharing what I went through. And I almost couldn't believe the words coming out of my mouth that this was my real life. And even reading it on paper, the most intimate, vulnerable moments of my life and actually believing that it was my life I'm writing about. I'm like, how did this happen? So it definitely goes in phases because in the beginning, yes, it was horrific to talk about. I couldn't get through it without the stomach ache and the tears. And I think now, so many years later, I've been able to see the fruit of what writing a book has brought and the Mm -hmm. help and the women who write in who say no one put it like you did and no one gets it like you do. And just knowing the reach and the people who needed my story is what it's all about and helps and just helps when you are like, oh gosh, why did I really put all that out there? (laughs) You do get the trolls on the internet who are like, did you even think of your daughter when you wrote this down? And I always put the disclaimer out there. I tell my version of the story. It's the only one I'm qualified to tell. There are other sides of this story and I only tell mine. So Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to tell it. Yes, absolutely. You are. No. And that's what I was wondering. When you wrote this, did you hold back at all in writing it? I mean, I know there's got to be an awareness factor that your daughter may read it one day or or your family or BD's family. I mean, every you know, there that's the thing. You put something out there. It's out there for everyone. And so 
I don't think you held back in reading it. You were really raw and honest and real. And I appreciate that because I think, you know, when you referenced other books out there that you were trying to find, there wasn't really anything with the raw realness of it. And I think possibly because they were aware of the fact that other people could read it, you know, the other parties involved and all of that. But there was such a realness in in your story. And I'm really grateful that you gave us all the nitty gritty, all the raw details, all that stuff. Because the truth is, if you're going to write a book about something, write it honestly. And you did. You know, there's a little tiny portion about you, you comment about online dating. I know you didn't have a, a ton of experience in this. And in fact, it's it's such a funny story. BD's parents introduced you to your now husband. That's how close you were with his family. So you didn't really have to do a lot of online dating, but you have you talk a little bit about the fact that you have to check the divorce box when you start online dating and you're not allowed to explain your story. You can't say, well, it's because he did this and did it. You know, so you know, you're, you're, the fear is that people will think, oh, you you don't know how to make a relationship work or something of that regard. Can you talk to us a little bit about going back out into the dating field after going through so much in your life? How do you even muster that? I mean, dating alone is exhausting. Yeah, I didn't like the idea of online dating because of that stigma, which I've since gotten past. I think the stigma of divorce is so hard to stomach, especially fresh out of a divorce and being younger, the older I get, and now years past, I am able to speak of it a little more confidently that I, you know, was married before. But at the time, it just, I was not there yet. And I did not want that stamp. I didn't mm-hmm. want that, <laughs> that scarlet letter. I didn't dabble in online dating, but I did definitely take off those rose colored glasses and set the bar super high because I was like, I am not putting myself through this again. Yeah, I've been through enough. I have my daughter now. So it's like the two of us I'm looking out for. And yeah, my now husband calls the night we met an interrogation because I (laughs) I was just firing away at the questions about his character, about his faith, about just, I wanted to know how he operated in certain situations. I was just going after it. But I didn't want to waste my time. I knew that no one was worth my time unless they met these standards for myself and my daughter. And so that that's what I always tell people. I'm like, keep the bar super high, take off the rose colored glasses and give yourself the chance to love again, though. I mean, Mm. there is that fine line because You have gone through a lot and those triggers will come up and that's inevitable. But I think the right partner is the person that helps you through them and reassures the insecurity and really is there to help you when the triggers resurface. Now, the balance is when they happen and you're feeling that reassurance from your new partner, you have to also kind of leave them. Like you not dwell on them because this is a different man. Like I would have to remind myself, like this is not your past. This is your future. Don't punish one man for another man's mistakes. And that's just something that I think 
came up a lot in the beginning of me just getting insecure or nervous and just reminding myself, like, he's not leaving. He didn't cheat on you. And working through those triggers and insecurities, because unfortunately, if you've gone through that sort of trauma, they do come up. And Mm. it's unrealistic to think otherwise, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. And you've done such a good job of that. And I really commend you. And I'm so grateful you came on to share your story because I think it doesn't really matter how many times you've shared it. It just is a difficult thing to do. And I've been wanting to have you on to share this advice. This, I think divorce is such a muddy subject and a difficult time in life. And when you find someone with sound advice, it's a it's a rare gem. So thank you for mm-hmm. coming. And do you have, you know, we have a lot of younger listeners on the podcast who maybe aren't in relationships yet or are in a relationship, but they're not sure if they should take the next step? Or, I mean, what advice do you have for people out there that are feeling a little lost? I would just say to put the hard work in to work on yourself. And if there is healing that needs to take place within you, whatever capacity that looks like, because your future deserves the version of yourself that is healed and recovered and just stronger than ever. And putting in that work, putting in that hard work and healing is what will get you there. And that's your true testament to that because you put in all the hard work. I watched you for years put in all this hard work. And then you met, you you call him your cowboy now. And you guys now have two sons together and you have this beautiful blended family. And you guys are just so happy and fun to watch and fun to be with. And there, you know, it just is proof that you can have your happy ending. It just may not look exactly like how you thought it would look. And I really appreciate you. And I'm so grateful that you came on today and shared and went there with us. So thanks. Thank you for having me. For those of you listening who have been through something like this or someone you love has been through something like this, it's really difficult. It's difficult for all parties involved and it is not easy to discuss. And I'm so grateful that Lauren came on and shared her story, shared all the raw, real emotions that she felt. Her book and blog, Her Soul Repair, is fantastic. And I'm not just saying this because I am a friend. I think it is truly one of the most original things out there. You know, there's a lot of advice books out there, a lot of self-help, but this is real and raw and it gets straight to the point. And I'm a proud friend and I love her so much and I'm so grateful she shared her story. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged. We have a lot coming for you next week. So until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule, produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions, editing by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.